1: Hey, everybody. Before we get into the first episode of Season 3, we want to take a moment to thank all of our new patrons who joined us in the month of June. Casey McKenzie, Kevin Roberts, Anon A. Mouse, Harper Jean, Dan Zirkel, Izzy, Gregory Bulby, Wade Pearson, Joshua Pierce, Rolling Misadventures, Jacob Bernard, Paul Steinhibble, Young Space Dad, The Z-Mage, Jessica Falcon, Vincent Kirk, Stephen Baker, Heather Roberts, Paul Thomas, and Connor Eastlink. So thank you to all of you for joining us this month on Patreon and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who make everything we do possible. If you'd like to join up with our crew, head over to patreon.com/thecritshow and there you can see all the available tiers we have with tiers starting at just $1. And with that, welcome to season 3.
0: I have too many stories. There's there's just too damn many. He and I have been through so much. TJ was one of the first people to greet me and make me feel welcome when I had finally gotten out of my tiny little hillbilly town. He was someone that showed me the power of positivity and that even if you feel like an outcast, all you got to do is find the right other group of outcasts and then you can be yourself and do great things. He saved my life so many times, even brought me back once, uh, like metaphorically, uh, I guess, because I was on the brink and that pure soul made me want to fight and be better. He showed me what it means to um, just go with your instinct when the instinct is to uplift instead of destroy The one story of the hundreds, thousands (laughs) of ridiculous things we ever did together. The one that I think about the most to put me in a better mood is probably the simplest, maybe even the least interesting to you all. But uh, we were in a class together in college, and it was super boring. And in one particular class, we had to all be watching our computer screens and, and watch some random presentation and instead, we found a, a website that had photoshopped a whole bunch of movie posters with <laughs> the honest title of what that would be based on what the, what the poster looked like. And we almost got kicked out of class. We were laughing so fucking hard. I don't even remember what most of the titles were. But when I just need to feel good, I think about that. Just the pure, giddy, ridiculous glee that I could share with somebody. And I don't get to make any new memories like that with him, but nobody can take that away from me, and nobody can take away those moments that all of you had with him as well."
1: Task glances to his right at the closed casket, then takes a deep breath and steps from behind the podium. We recognize many of the faces in attendance as he walks past, headed to his seat. Margaret and Everett sitting near the front, the rest of the Founders filling the seats behind them. Jeff and Eddie sitting near Lindsay and the others from the lab. They are friends and family, only a handful of which Tass recognizes, and he spots a small webcam in the back and thinks of those watching from a distance. Jingles, Anastasia, the crew of the Eye of Ra, as he retakes his seat. We then find ourselves outside across the street in a small, familiar-looking graveyard. It is the graveyard where Dr. White had originally been buried and where Tass had lost his life once. We see Tass and Jake, Rev, TJ's father, Everett, and Christine, carrying the casket across the street and to the gravesite. They lay it down onto the bars. Jake steps forward and looks over the small gathering of people. I step up
2: to deliver the prayer that I'm used to giving when we lose people. And I think it occurs to me, one, that I don't really pray to the defender anymore. And two, there's nothing left to look after in the next life. So I think I just kind of change directions and address it more to the people that are there watch over him in the next life watch over those he leaves behind keep the world a better place as he left it
1: and it is lowered into the ground the crowd starts to disperse and head back towards the church and into the basement inside the basement we see tj's mother and father standing talking to everett in his dress blues he speaks a few words to them and tj's father extends his hand and shakes it and everett snaps a clean salute and walks away time passes pretty quickly a half hour, an hour, two hours, and the basement becomes empty, except for Tass and Jake. After straightening up a couple of things, they head back over to the cemetery and stand looking down at the grave with its freshly packed earth. And you both hear the sound of boots on gravel, and another figure walks up and stands beside them. Sad to see him go. Wish I could have been here this afternoon, but most people don't take too kindly to, uh, well, just me in general. And you turn to look... At the voice and it is a gray-skinned man with a black leather jacket jeans and boots fair
0: thanks for coming
1: how the two are you holding up
0: i think i kind of blatantly ignore the question you know you're one of the first people i thought of when uh, when it happened oh
1: yeah yeah
0: thought maybe there was a chance to do what y'all did for me yeah.
3: yeah
1: i think whatever happened to tj wasn't something that there was someone like lana who saw it coming 20 years ago
0: yeah no shit How's stuff going with you? How's your uh, how's your project?
1: It's uh, kind of halted every now and then. Gotta, uh, you understand, gotta keep working. Can't always work on your pet project. <laughs> yeah. TJ uh, did me a solid quite a while ago, and I still owed him one, so I guess it passes to you two, and uh, he hands you another one of those coins.
0: I'll take it. I know this is just sort of how you work, but for what it's worth, thanks.
1: There aren't a whole lot of people in the world who uh, can look past what they see on the outside of old Damien. Damien. Give him a first or second chance. So when I encounter people like that, it's nice to check in time to time. And he turns and starts to walk out of the graveyard towards his car parked on the street.
0: I don't know about you, man, but I really, I really feel like I uh, I need to be working right now.
2: You know what I mean? Uh, I think it occurs to me for the first time, like I haven't even thought about what comes next until right now. I hadn't thought about whether it was time to go back to work or not. So I just kind of shrug.
1: Sure. And you both turn and walk out of the graveyard. All right, so we did not do this at the end of season two, but it is in fact time for end-of-session experience. Oh, yeah. Did you conclude the current mystery?
0: We did. We we had a goal, and one way or another, we got it done.
1: Absolutely. Question two might skip, might just slide on past <laughs> that one. <laughs> Oof. I mean... <laughs> Broadly speaking, we saved many
2: people mm. from certain death or worse by eliminating the God of Death.
1: Yeah, that's true. Probably going to call that one a draw. <laughs>
2: Probably <laughs> okay. just, just All right. put a slash through that yeah. one. <laughs>
1: uh, did we learn something new and important about the world?
2: Uh, we learned that destroying a God like requires an absolute sacrifice. Like We didn't know that that was coming.
1: And did we learn something new and important about one of the hunters? I mean, we learned that Jake is ready to cross that line. That is true. All right, so everybody gets two points of experience. Um, Does anybody level up?
2: Nope, not quite there. Uh, I mean, actually, I have a new
1: playbook. That's right. You have gotten your divinity back. So let's talk about your, not new, but your revised playbook.
2: Yes, I have joined the ranks of the executioner. So my stats have shifted around a little bit. Minus one charm, zero cool, plus one sharp, plus two tough, and plus one weird. I am keeping angel wings. I am taking Smite again. I haven't had that in a while, but I imagine that this god being all about just retribution, that's probably what matters most, is being able to put him down and put him down for good. Uh, So the weapon is the Flaming Sword. As with all divine weapons, it does three harm. Uh, It is hand, fire, and holy. And I get uh, my divine armor, which now has a different look, but that is just one armor holy. I'm taking what I need when I need it. I'm getting my pocket dimension back. Because uh, I feel like a sword is <laughs> more essential to conceal than any other weapon.
1: Especially a flaming sword. Yeah.
2: Uh, my mission has changed, though. Rather than uh, protecting another hunter who has an important role to play, I am now here to fight the schemes of an adversary. Uh, I think maybe the biggest change, though, is that I am switching up my weird move. Uh, I am going to take use magic. At this point, Um, I have been, you know, in character studying some magic and learning how to apply it in pretty specific situations up to this point. But uh, we have lost our weird science and our spellcaster has been kind of downgraded and use magic kind of covers the base of what No Limits does anyway. So I think as part of this switch, the new God kind of gave me an upgrade, just a better comprehension of magic and its application and uses so that I can expand how I use it.
1: So here the two of you stand inside of Margaret's office at the IPT, and she is rifling through a couple of papers. So do you have any idea what's next?
0: Yeah, uh, we have sort of a lead on something to possibly find some information on Nash. It requires another portal jump, though. So I think we're going to maybe take a little time on this one and, and see if we can get our ducks in a row before we go through another one.
1: Well, if everything works the way that you've described to us, when you all come back, it's like we never missed you. And so far, Anastasia and Everett have been doing a pretty good job of picking up the slack with the two of you gone. That's awesome. And at this point, Everett walks in and smiles at both of you. Hi, holding up.
0: Gave him a shrug.
1: Yeah. I took some time and uh, spoke to his parents and uh, gave him a message I've had to deliver more times than I'd like to say. But sacrifice, hero, can't really say why. All things considered, they took it pretty well
0: good. How's everything going with you guys? Is, is there anything you need help with while we're here?
1: No, there's not a whole lot right now that we're pursuing. We're just taking calls as they come in, going around, checking on things. You know, Nash, whatever's going on with him and his group, they're quite quiet. It seems like they never make noise until they're right in front of you. Anastasia, she thought she might have a couple leads on some of his old bases and stuff. But by the time we got there, go to check them out. There's nothing but husks some point, he must have figured out that she was inside of his organization.
0: Yeah, I'll bet hitting his sub gave him a a little heads up on some of that. If we found him there, I bet he did a complete re-scramble of everywhere else he's got.
1: Yeah, what she said to me, that seemed to be his home away from home. Didn't imagine anybody would ever find it. Speaking of which, that's something that's been in the back
0: of my mind for a while. Don't we have some... dirt or whatever from where he's from
1: oh yeah tj gave it to the boys down in the lab uh, before you took off one of those times might want to go down and check with them see if they've got anything on it
0: yeah that's a good call I, I don't know that it'll do a ton for us but every lead right yeah well i'm not sure which thing yet but we're gonna we're gonna look through a, a few things and and see what a better approach is for what we have in mind so you know, if you if you guys just need anything while we're still here, let us know. We'll, we'll definitely give you a heads up before we hop back through something.
1: All right. will you let us know if there's anything in particular you need.
0: Shake their hands and, yeah, head out. Same. What do we think, man? What do you mean? I don't know. It's just, this seems big. If this is some sort of thing he's protecting through there, <laughs> we've just, in some cases, gotten very lucky and some kind of lucky with these jumps. Like, what, what can we do to get a heads up? on whatever
2: this is that we're going to go into next. You mean like how do we create an advantage for ourselves going in? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, without like being there, we can't really change the circumstances of wherever we're going. We might be able to deal some kind of blow on this side that he has to deal with while we're gone, you know, to at least tie up some resources or something.
0: Yeah. I just wish there was a better way to know what the next place is you know is it another place like what we just came from just that little change but things are very similar different versions of ourselves we we know a lot of people we can make deals with that work in information does that translate to information about other
2: universes i mean theoretically there is a yaga in every universe and they sort of have that awareness of each other so uh yeah
0: This one just doesn't super love us. I
2: mean, we need to go talk to her regardless to tell her everything that's, you know, assuming she doesn't already know everything that's happened. We should tell her. And frankly, I would love to maybe rub it in her face a little bit that we took (laughs) out (laughs) Koschei.
0: Well, I kind of wilt at that. Yeah. Okay. You're right. That's the most direct link i think
2: well let's go talk to the lab folk first see if they've got anything useful and then i can just pop us over there okay
0: and i think we head down to the
2: lab
1: all right so the two of you head down into the lab it is just after lunchtime so all of the folks down in the lab uh lindsey and of course the the head of the lab are all there working Uh, and he turns and sees you and and he waves well how are y'all doing doing pretty good
0: all things considered, we're okay.
1: Yeah, I uh, boy, he really contributed to the things that we did down here. He would come sometimes at night and we would work on things and talk about the ideas of a uh, giant mech Statue of Liberty and all oh, the things we were going to create together. Hey, have you
2: figured anything out about that dirt that we left with you a while ago?
1: Uh, yes, yes. In fact, uh, we've got it in TJ's locker over here. Uh, and He goes over to the wall and there's a group of lockers and one of them has TJ's name uh, and he opens it up and inside are just a couple of random things. And he pulls out a Petri dish that has got some dirt layered along the bottom. Yes, we discovered that this actually comes from Canterbury. Canterbury like Chaucer's? Yeah. Over in, uh, merry old England. Okay. That's awesome. That's amazing. Is there any particular reason that you're, uh, the dirt where it's from, how that is helpful? Yes. Good. Well, there you go. <laughs> Canterbury.
2: I mean, boy, if we really wanted to get dark, we could like track down his, uh, family through now. And I, I don't know if he would care, maybe leverage them against him or maybe something to do with their blood, his blood, magic, ritual, find bind destroy I don't know I'm just spitballing magic's new to me shut up
0: <laughs> I was on I was on board with a lot of that yeah no I I think that's good it's something we can look into but I I don't know that it'll give us anything solid but so thank you guys I appreciate you you're awesome I can't fathom all the crazy stuff you guys do I it just never ceases to amaze me thank you so much.
1: Well, of course. Did I know this locker existed? Did I know TJ had a locker in the lab? No, you know, he spent time down here, but yeah, you didn't know that he had a, a work station here. Yeah.
2: I want to see what's in there.
1: Yeah, you open it up and there's a notepad that has the grid paper inside of it. And you see the beginning sketches of exactly what the head scientist here was talking about, a way to mechanize the Statue of Liberty. Uh, they were deciding where joints would need to go, um, how to ignite the torch a la Ghostbusters 2. ha! <laughs> There are some photos taped up on the side of the locker, like in high school. Uh, There's one actually of the three of you after that first mission. Uh, There's also some pictures of his family, um, as well as a couple of newspaper clippings from times where things you guys had done had popped up in the news, for example, with the superhero fights giant lizard monster. There's also the dented Altoids tin inside of here, as well as a handful of change. Like
2: just coin change? Yeah. Yeah. I want to look at it and see if there seems to be any
1: significance to it. You notice that it is from all different places. Like, there is no coin that is the same currency. They're not, like, all places we've been to or anything, are they? They're not. Hey, do you know what he was doing with these coins? Oh. Oh, yeah. He was trying to come up with a, with a thing like money that, wherever you took it, would look like the money from that place.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: So these are actually all washers. Oh
2: my god.
1: Huh, I'm
2: going to scoop them into the Altoid's tin and put them in my little pocket dimension. All right.
1: Actually, when you open the Altoid's tin, you see that there are 3 tiny pills inside of it. What are what are these? Oh, yes. We were working on this right before you all went into the portal. He was trying to find a way to condense memories. And so my understanding is that if you were to take one of these pills, you'd know everything that he knew. And, and just a second, he actually snatches the notebook out of your hand and starts to flip through it. And towards the end, there's a bunch of scribbles. And what he had written down was that he thought if you could go to a different world and have these pills, if you could feed one to someone, it would convince them your story was true because they would now have your memories. It doesn't overwrite their memories. It just lets them know that the things you have said are true. How did he manufacture these? Did you manufacture these? Uh, He did. He was working on a couple of machines and I, I just don't know how he does some things. I'll be honest. He would aim one thing at another and yell science. And then <laughs> something would be there. It defies most of the logics that I know.
2: Yeah, we saw a lot of that too. Um, is there anything else visible in this locker? Uh, there's not. I'm going to like paw around in there looking for like a secret switch or a button or something. I've seen TV and it seems like the kind of shit TJ would do to have like a hidden compartment. i um, taste one of the pictures. <laughs> Tastes just like us.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, you wish you hadn't licked that picture of Jake's foot at the beach first. Oh. <laughs> um you know what? Roll luck. Let's see if TJ stashed something else in a hidden compartment. Seven. You do find a hidden compartment, but there isn't anything in it. Oh, oh god, if I'd suddenly had to come up with some other crazy invention. <laughs>
0: You would have hated that. I had
1: kind of pulled TJ on like, oh, what kind of things would you want to create? And so this is where this idea came from.
0: How am I not surprised by any of this? I'm just not. And yet am. Have you ever been to Lady Liberty? I have not. I just want to see if he
2: went over and started any work on
0: that.
2: (laughs) When he took a sabbatical, that's where he secretly went off to. (laughs) These These are really cool and really good ideas. And the pills would fit in the capsule, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, so with the coins. That's so cool. Man, I wish we had a way to make more of them. You know, I'm, I'm not sure what good, like, a handful of coins will be most places, but I don't know. I guess there's no way of knowing until we get there, as with everything.
1: Yeah, true. Once you arrive in the newest Powered by the Apocalypse game, Subway World, <laughs> where you just ride an endless stream of subways. Yeah. <laughs> While while eating, for a minute I met yeah.
2: While eating sandwiches on stinky bread, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to argue with that, but it's a stink that I like. Yeah, but it's still <laughs> like it's pervasive. It is. It their is.
1: onions smell like dirty feet. I don't eat their onions, so. Unfortunately, I don't have to know that. I just, uh, the, whole, the whole reason I know that is because I remember being in high school and a friend of mine who was in the theater department, she worked at Subway and she would always come to rehearsal afterwards and she would always smell like dirty feet and she was so upset about it. And she was like, no, it's the the onions. The onions in that place, they smell gross and it gets on me and I can't get the smell off. Is um, it possible that she was lying to you and she
2: just smelled bad.
1: <laughs> no, because I was around her at other times in the day and she didn't smell like dirty feet. Okay. I mean, I guess unless it was like an end of the day thing. <laughs> Maybe her feet got real stinky while she did her long shift at Subway. While she, it's possible.
2: She but kept I cutting the fucking onions with, a,
1: with yeah. her feet, with her toes. I wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt.
2: I just imagined, like, (laughs) stomping grapes for wine, but instead it's just the onions in a bucket in the back room of a subway. I'm crying for two reasons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's pretty safe to say we gather all of this stuff
2: up. Yeah, I think all of this stuff lives in the pocket dimension now. Like, if for no other reason, then it's too important to me to leave anywhere else. All
1: right, so where to now? Yaga's place. Yeah, so where in the woods... Do you want to teleport to? Uh,
2: I feel like my best bet is where, like, the house belonged. Um, like, where it ultimately settled so that we could go into the basement.
1: Yeah, just, with the fence.
2: Yeah, to kind of, you know, outside the front door if the house is there in that spot.
1: This is not a under-pressure situation, so you don't need to roll this one. Uh, the two of you standing outside of the IPT vanish in a burst of flames and appear in the woods in Russia. In front of you as you appear, it is dark and the woods are very noisy. You can hear the howl of a wolf and the buzzing of many insects. And in front of you is the fence of spikes with skulls on top, and the house is nestled into its proper position.
0: If we have to chase down this fucking chicken house again, I'm going to lose
2: my mind. (laughs)
0: Do you think we should just,
2: like, announce ourselves loudly right now?
0: I mean, last time we did that, it got up and ran, but I I don't know.
2: I will walk towards the front door. And, oh, and speak the uh, the magic code. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> um, as you approach, there is no door, just the flat wall. Turn your back to the forest, your front to me. And the door appears and clicks open and swings in. Baba
2: Yaga, it's Jake and Tass. May
1: we come in? Yes, do come in. I nudge Tass in first. Okay. And the two of you walk in, and for the first time, you both see something you had not seen previously. You see all the furniture and the giant stove, but it seems to be covered with like a drop cloth. There is just something draped over all the furniture, the table around the stove. And as you step in, this mop of gray, scraggly hair on top of the chimney shifts and looks up at you, and it's Baba's face. And you realize that it is her body spread out, as TJ had described seeing before. And it starts to pull slowly in, slinking across the furniture and the floor.
3: Oh, just getting warm. How are you both doing? Is that comfortable? Oh, yes. It is the best way to keep warm and really feel connected with your space.
2: I think I'm actually like super, like I wish I could do that. Like I'm like feeling how tight my back feels. I'm like, oh God, I wish I could just taffy out all over everything.
3: When I lay around the house, I lay around the
1: (laughs) house. (laughs) (laughs) And she pulls herself completely together and starts to walk over towards a rocking chair and sits down.
3: There is a kettle boiling on the stove. In lack of TJ's presence, I don't suppose one of you wants to pour the tea?
0: Yeah, I gotcha.
3: As you hand her the tea,
1: she looks at you for a long moment, and then a smile spreads across her face, and her sharp
3: metal teeth glint in the firelight of the stove. You have done great things in other places. I do not know the extent, for I do not want to pry as I would not want them to pry into me, but I sense changes rippling. Good changes? That is not seen. Only changes, and I feel less weight. I'm glad to hear that. No one comes to my cottage without desiring something. What is it that you need?
0: Yeah, I I guess the thing that you just said you don't want to do seems to be the thing that we want to ask you to do. So I don't know that we can. I don't want to compromise what you're willing to do and not willing to do.
3: What would you need? What would you desire from my knowledge? I must, in all things, attempt to stay neutral. But... There are surface thoughts. There is shared common knowledge we all have of one another that I do not believe would be imbalancing the scales if I were to share it. Oh,
0: yeah, there's just a world that we want to go to. We've gone through to a few, obviously, as you know, but it's been kind of a shock and or surprise every time we go through. We're just really hoping for the advantage of at least knowing what hot water we're jumping into.
3: I see. And
2: where are you going? I have the number. I don't know if to you they're like numbered the way they are for our system, but it's 8037? No. It's where the Alkali Corporation
1: is. Ah. And her eyes roll back a little bit and
3: start to twitch back and forth. Ah, yes. There are a number of those in my thoughts when I reach out, but only one that seems like it might be big enough to be important. But, as I said, neutral in all things. For this information, you must, as before, do something for me.
0: Affairs uh, fair's fair. What do you need?
3: At the far edge of the woods, far to the south, much farther than you have walked before, for my land will stretch and grow as necessitates. There is an old burned down cottage and a rose bush. I need what is buried under that rose bush. It once was mine, and was taken. It is time for it to return home. That doesn't seem like
0: much of a riddle.
3: It is not. It is simply a task. What
0: took what was buried?
3: Someone else who came here. Seeking my advice on how to deal with a problem. Her problem is long dealt with. Her life long over.
2: On a scale from one to ten, how lethal is whatever we're going to encounter under the rosebush? Very. Well, at least we know that going in.
0: I'ma just guess. This isn't a thing you want us to set free.
3: <laughs> I would have it returned to me. So that it does not find its way into the wrong hands and so that my decor will be complete again. I'm like looking
2: around the cabin, seeing if there's like, you know, like a spot on the wall where a cuckoo clock visibly (laughs) used to be. Uh,
1: And as you start to scan around and look, your eye actually falls out the open door. And on the fence, you can see just on the left side when you walk in that one of the bones Is missing a skull, that they all have skulls lining the front, except for one is empty. Okay. I
2: mean, this sounds like a deal to me. Yeah, I agree.
3: Very well. I will have your answer when you return.
2: All right, no time
0: like the present.
3: All right, we will begin our trek. It's a strange walk. It's
1: quiet. All the sounds of the animals, all the sounds of the insects go away. The wind rustles on occasion, but less and less the further you walk. And nothing seems to have memorable characteristics to it. If you were to try to mark a tree so you could come back to it, a collection of rocks, once you're past it, you don't quite have a sense of what it looked like. And I think at this point, as you are walking, um, if you've got a beginning of mystery move, now would be the time to use it.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely hit my Destiny's Play thing. Uh, that is a nine... So that is a vague hint about the coming mystery.
1: So as the two of you walk, Tash, you get this brief vision of a skull, and it looks exactly like the other skulls that are on the fence around Yaga's house, except that it's got these two burning coals where the eyes are, and you see it moving through space, and then it's sat down on a pile of other what look like strange artifacts. And then you're back walking again.
0: Uh, Oh, God. Do you have a vision? Yep. I saw this skull. It had these embers or coals or something burning in its eyes. And it was moving through space. I get the feeling that it was maybe being carried. I guess I don't know. But it was set down onto a pile of other stuff. I don't know. Artifacts or items or I couldn't tell. I don't know. I I can't make heads or tails of it,
1: but it makes me wonder if somebody's there, which wouldn't be a surprise. And the two of you walk and you walk and you don't find yourself tired, but you realize after some stretch of time has passed that the sun is starting to rise. And as the sun rises, you do see the bones of this burned out cottage at the end of the clearing in front of you.
0: Man, was that whole thing as trippy to you as it was to me?
2: Yeah. Do you think the knights are still out here? Do you think that they just like shifted over right then when the sun came up? I guess I don't know. I mean, hopefully we don't have to encounter them. I'm just curious. They're probably still out here. Does it seem, I mean, is there any movement in or around the cottage or any noise or anything? Like it's burnt out, but does it seem still in use in any capacity?
1: Yeah, you head over to the cottage and start to look around you don't have any sense of any movement. There's a thick layer of old ash as well as moss and leaves inside. You do find pieces of charred bones. I think glancing around, you can see some very, very dark burns in the wood. It seems like there are three distinct places where very hot fires burned.
0: Can I open my sight and see if there's anything more here uh, invisible or spirit related.
1: Uh, yeah, you, you do, you open up your site and you look around the place where those dark spots are burned into the floor, have a little bit of magic to them, but the rest of this place seems clean and clear.
0: Nothing too intense on the old, uh, invisible radar or uh, that's, that's not a, it's not right, is it? <laughs> no, that's a cool name. I like it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, maybe magic started the fires. Otherwise, just looks like a shitty old building.
2: I would like to try something. I would like to use magic to view another time. Yeah,
1: we'll use magic.
2: Why? Oh, no. That's a four.
1: The two of you are standing there, and Jake opens up his magic to try to create a vision from the past, and the two of you are suddenly standing in this cottage, and it is completely built around you. And there's a third person standing there with you and they're talking to you, but it it seems like gibberish. And then the door opens and there's a young woman, 14, 15 years old, and she is carrying this skull at the end of a stick with its glowing eyes. And you're not able to stop yourself. You all turn and you look at it. And as you make eye contact with it, you burst into flames. And this pain is agony. You scream, you fall to the ground, you feel the heat rising through your body, the metal starting to bubble on your armor, and then you're both laying on the floor in the old burned-out cottage underneath the rising sun.
2: What the hell, dude? I think technically it worked. Kinda? Good God. Um, Being sprawled out on the ground and very close to those blackened spots on the floor, do they look like footprints?
1: No, they do look like... The spots where three people would have been standing when they burst into flames. Neato.
2: All right. As I drag myself back to my feet, if it's the skull, don't look in its eyes.
1: Yeah?
0: Yep.
2: That seems like it. Yep.
0: Let's go dig up a rosebush, baby. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to shamble out of here, I guess, and look around to see if there's a, a rosebush
1: directly behind the house. Is a fairly large rose bush. It's got two dozen beautiful roses blooming on it.
0: I suppose we just start digging till we find something.
1: Yeah. Like, should we blindfold
2: ourselves so that we don't like accidentally dig this thing up and look it in its eyes?
0: I mean, maybe once we find something, I mean if we, you know, clink down and, and get an idea that something's there, I can't imagine
2: the shovel full that would just open its eyes, right? I mean, do you want to make assumptions? Or do you want to yes. catch fire? Like what? <laughs> you felt that, right? This—I this isn't something I want to be cavalier about. Okay, you and your logic and your
0: steps and safety. Um, do we do we do that? Do we just blindfold ourselves and
2: dig till we feel a clink of something? Yeah, I mean, we know it's under the bush. That's a relatively small area to have to dig in. I think we'll be okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. All what all are right. we
2: gonna dig with? Can't you teleport to a? Yeah, I'll go to an Ace Hardware. I'll be right back.
1: <laughs> yeah, you teleport to your local hardware store of choice—you know, the one Jake always shops at—and you buy two shovels, and you teleport back. Okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna take off my my crimson
2: sash uh, that came with my fancy new armor and tie it around my eyes. Like once I break dirt and know kind of where I'm going, tie that around my eyes and start digging.
1: Okay,
0: uh, I guess I. Take off my tie and use that as a blindfold.
1: Ah, someone's seen Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you both blindfold yourselves and start to dig. Why don't you both roll Act Under Pressure? I got an eight. I
0: got a nine.
1: So you can take a little damage um, from, from what's about to happen. You can get out of the way but drop something or you're going to make a bunch of noise as it happens. I know that I haven't described what's happening, but it's because you're both blindfolded.
2: Can I ask, like, the little bit of damage is not what happened to us in the vision, right? Like, it's not,
1: that's not a little bit of damage. Correct. That is not a little bit of damage. Yeah. Okay. Immolation is. is <laughs> pretty, a more, pretty lot. Yeah, more than one armor defeating, I'm sure.
2: I'll take the little bit of damage then. I think
0: I like the thought of making a noise.
1: Okay. So as you both dig up this rose bush, there is a crumbling sound. And Jake, you feel yourself fall forward and down. Tass, you feel this earth starting to give way and you stagger backwards and you let out a scream as your shovel clangs against a tree. Jake, you fall about 10 feet and hit the ground. You take one point of damage, armor defeating, as you land on a bunch of rocks. So it feels like we dug through the ceiling of. Something it does.
2: I'm so scared to take the blindfold off now. <laughs> I'm going to listen very carefully. Tess, what are you doing?
0: I'm getting to my feet, and I I have to look. I have to look. Uh, I think I just tug the tie down just a little bit under one eye to see what we just did.
1: Yeah, you peek out, and you see that the rose bush is gone, and there is a hole about five feet around that Jake has just fallen through.
0: Shit. Jake, are you okay? Hello? Jake?
1: Shh. Jake, roll, read a bad situation. Minus one because you're blindfolded.
2: <laughs> but I'm
0: listening
1: But you are so only carefully. listening. That's fair. Roll, Yeah, just roll, read a bad situation. <laughs> you can only ask. Ho, 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 13. Hearing based questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got to hold three. Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? You hear pretty far away to your right as you. Lay on the ground blindfolded, the sound of something running on four legs, but it's getting quieter.
2: Oh, knowing that I don't hear anything close to me, I will take the blindfold off.
1: So you pull down your blindfold and you are inside of a tunnel, and you can see that it goes to your left and to your right. And this creeping feeling of deja vu sinks in because it's been a while now, but you have been in a tunnel like this before. You see the claw marks on the walls and the smell of death fills this place. You've fallen through the earth into a ghoul tunnel. Crit show is a crit show studios production edited and produced by brandon wentz with music by jake Purley. you can find more information about us at the crit show podcast.com to keep up to date with upcoming live shows contests and other special events follow us at the crit show on facebook instagram and twitter for even more weekly content join us at patreon.com slash the
3: crit show
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Cam Kander? Yeah, that was a strange thing. A prolific creator who
3: disappeared suddenly in 2020.
2: Eccentric, weird,
0: inscrutable. Cam Kander was like a 21st century Howard Hughes. Nothing is known. Cam Kander. Man, woman, non-binary person... No idea.
3: Cam Kander,
0: an enigma, a cipher, a mystery. Was Kander a genius or insane? Is there a difference? And one day, Cam Kander vanished into thin air.
3: Off the map, off the radar,
0: like Amelia Earhart. From me, BK Will, in conjunction with Trojan Cat Media, a division of Corp.
3: Leave me alone. I don't have anything to say about Cam Candor.
0: Comes a shocking
3: six part documentary series. Cam Kando is a Rorschach test. It's a MacGuffin stuffed inside a red herring, shoved down a rabbit hole that leads to a blind alley. Cam Kander is out there, waiting to make
0: their glorious return. Like a cult leader? No, like a messiah. Discover Who is Cam Cander, a
3: new investigative podcast coming Wednesday, September 1st, wherever you listen to podcasts.